Part Eight of Everglades Wild Guide by Jean Craighead George. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Berard. Part Eight. Animals without backbones. Insects are the most noticeable of the parts invertebrates. At times, you may find your can of repellent as important as your shoes in all the fresh water and brackish environments insects and their larvae are important links in the food chains at the beginning as primary consumers of algae and other plant material and farther along as predators mostly on other insects some insects are parasites on the park's warm-blooded animals including you the invertebrates most sought by visitors are mollusks, or rather, their shells. You may find a few on the beach at Cape Sable, but don't expect to find the park a productive shelling area. Stick to marine shells, dead ones. You cannot collect the freshwater mollusks. Also protected are the tree snails of jungle hammocks, famed for their beauty. These snails of the genus Legus which grow to as much as two and a half inches in diameter, feed upon the lichens growing on certain hammock trees. Look for them, but leave them undisturbed, for they are a part of the community, protected just as are the park's royal palms and its alligators. Illustration Indians in South Florida Big Cypress Indian Reservation Florida State Seminole Indian Reservation, Dania Indian Reservation, Scattered Mounds Throughout Shark Valley, Russell Key, Turner River, Lopez River, Houston River, Mormon Key, Gopher Key, Johnson Mound, Farm Creek Mound, Everglades National Park, Monroe Lake, East Cape Mounds, Gulf of Mexico, Florida Bay, Atlantic Ocean, Indian Mounds, Indian Villages, Big Cypress Swamp, Mangrove Swamp, Pine Rockland, Coastal Prairie, Everglades. Indians of the Everglades. Your first awareness of the South Florida Indians will probably come during a trip along the Tamiami Trail U.S. 41, the cross-state highway just north of the park. You will notice clusters of Indian homes close to the road. Some are built on stilts, are thatched with palm fronds, and are open-sided so that no walls hamper the flow of cooling breezes. Many of the Glades Indians prefer to live as their ancestors did some 150 years ago when they were newcomers to the Everglades. Others have adopted the white man's dwellings, as well as his occupations. The Indians of South Florida, Mikosukis, sometimes called Trail Indians, and Muscogees, the Cow Creek Seminoles, are separate tribes, not sharing a common language. Today, no Indians live inside the park boundaries. The Indians arrived in Spanish Florida after the American Revolution. Many creeks of Georgia and Alabama, crowded by the aggressive white men, 
fled south to the peninsula they first settled in north florida when florida became a state in eighteen forty five they had to retreat farther south driven into the interior during the seminole war of eighteen thirty five they eventually settled in the everglades where deer fish and fruit were available though their territory is now much more limited they still retain much of their independent spirit and have never signed a peace treaty with the u s government many earn their living operating airboats as proprietors and employees of roadside businesses and in a variety of jobs on farms and in cities the women create distinctive handicraft items which find a ready market with tourists no one is certain when the first indians the calusas and tiquestas appeared in south florida it may have been more than two thousand years ago even more than today's glades indians these coastal indians lived with the rhythm of river and tides rain and drought hunting fishing and gathering of shellfish were their means of existence we have learned this much of their life from artifacts unearthed from the many indian mounds or washed up along the beaches they lived on huge shell mounds made pottery used shark's teeth to make saws and fashioned other tools from conch shells they even built impoundments for fish a few remains of these can be seen today they were ingenious hunters ponce de leon and his spanish explorer marauders were said to have been turned back from the everglades by the deadly arrows these indians fashioned from rushes following the arrival of the spanish these early indians disappeared from the scene they were apparently wiped out destroyed by the white man's diseases as much as by his aggression but some may have escaped to cuba perhaps a handful of them were still in the everglades when the creeks came down from the north in eighteen thirty five and were absorbed into the new tribe their known history ends here proud independent and ingenious in wresting a living from the land and the water the indians knew how to live with nature unlike the white man they fitted into the plant and animal communities today these communities have been severely disrupted in the few decades that the white man has been developing the region he has broken every chain of life described in this book alligator populations have been much reduced in south florida their chief prey the garfish has in some places become so numerous as to constitute a nuisance most of all to the freshwater anglers some of whom had a hand in the killing of alligators the pattern of water flow over the glades through the cypress swamps and into the mangrove wilderness has been altered by highways and canals much of the habitat has been wiped out by construction of homes and factories and by farming operations an increasingly alarming development is the pollution of glades waters by agricultural chemicals only through complete understanding of this fragile unique subtropical world can man reverse the destructive trend only through carefully applied protective and management practices can we make progress 
toward restoring to the everglades some of its lost splendor end of section eight